0: For the most part, they made a mess of things. Hello there, this is the Lifespring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Today, our reading is Judges 17 to 21, and I'm calling the episode instructions required. After my comments on the reading, we will, of course, learn what happened on this date in church history. Plus, you'll never guess what today is. We'll get to that a little bit later. But right now, let's get started. Judges chapter 17. There was a man from the hill country of Ephraim named Micah. He said to his mother, The eleven hundred pieces of silver taken from you, and that I heard you utter a curse about, here, I have the silver with me. I took it, now I return it to you. Then his mother said, My son, you are blessed by the Lord. He returned the eleven hundred pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I personally consecrate the silver to the Lord for my son's benefit to make a carved image overlaid with silver. So he returned the silver to his mother, and she took five pounds of silver and gave it to a silversmith. He made it into a carved image overlaid with silver, and it was in Micah's house. This man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household idols, and installed one of his sons to be his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did whatever he wanted. There was a young man, a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who resided within the clan of Judah. The man left the town of Bethlehem in Judah to settle wherever he could find a place. On his way he came to Micah's home in the hill country of Ephraim. Where do you come from? Micah asked him. He answered him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to settle wherever I can find a place. Micah replied, Stay with me and be my father and priest, and I will give you four ounces of silver a year, along with your clothing and provisions. So the Levite went in and agreed to stay with the man, and the young man became like one of his sons. Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in Micah's house. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, because the Levite has become my priest. Judges chapter 18 At that time the Israelites did not have a king, and the tribe of Dan was still looking for a place to live. They did not have their own land yet. The other tribes of Israel already had their land, but the tribe of Dan had not taken their land yet. So the tribe of Dan sent five soldiers to look for some land. They went to search for a good place to live. These five men were from the cities of Zora and Eshtael. They were chosen because they were from the families of Dan. They were told, Go look for some land. The five men came to the hill country of Ephraim. They came to Micah's house and spent the night there. When the five men came close to Micah's house, they heard the voice of the young Levite. They recognized his voice, so they stopped at Micah's house. They asked the young man, Who brought you to this place? What are you doing? Why are you here? The young man told them what Micah had done for him. Micah hired me, he said. I am his priest. So they said to him, Please ask God if our search for a place to live will be successful. The priest said to the five men, Yes, go in peace. The Lord will lead you on your way. So the five men left. They came to the city of Laish and saw that the people of that city lived in safety. They were ruled by the people of Sidon. Everything was peaceful and quiet. The people had plenty of everything, and they didn't have any enemies nearby to hurt them. Also, they lived a long way from the city of Sidon, and they did not have any agreements with the people of Aram. The five men went back to the cities of Zorah and Ashtaol. Their relatives asked them, What did you learn? The five men answered, We have found some land, and it is very good. We should attack them. Don't wait. Let's go and take that land. When you come to that place, you will see that there is plenty of land. There is plenty of everything there. You will also see that the people are not expecting an attack. Surely God has given that land to us. So six hundred men from the tribe of Dan left the cities of Zorah and Eshtaol. They were ready for war. On their way to the city of Laish, they stopped near the city of kiriath Jearim in the land of Judah. They set up camp there. That is why the place west of kiriath Jearim is named Mahanadan to this very day. From there the six hundred men traveled on to the hill country of Ephraim. Then they came to Micah's house. So the five men who had explored the land around Laish spoke. They said to their relatives, There is an ephod in one of these houses, and there are also household gods, a carved statue, and a silver idol. You know what to do. So they stopped at Micah's house where the young Levite lived. They asked the young man how he was. The six hundred men from the tribe of Dan stood at the entrance of the gate. They all had their weapons and were ready for war. The five spies went into the house. The priest stood just outside by the gate with the six hundred men who were ready for war. The men took the carved idol, the ephod, the household idols, and the silver idol. The young Levite priest said, What are you doing? The five men answered, Be quiet, don't say a word. Come with us. Be our father and our priest. You must choose. Is it better for you to be a priest for just one man? or for a whole tribe of Israelites with many family groups. This made the Levite happy, so he took the ephod, the household idols, and the idol. He went with the men from the tribe of Dan. Then the six hundred men from the tribe of Dan and the Levite priest turned and left Micah's house. They put their little children, their animals, and all their things in front of them. The men from the tribe of Dan went a long way from that place, but the people living near Micah met together. Then they began chasing the men of Dan and caught up with them. The men of Micah were shouting at the men of Dan. The men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, What's the problem? Why are you shouting? Micah answered, You men from Dan took my idols. I made them for myself. You also have taken my priest. What do I have left now? How can you ask me what's the problem? The men from the tribe of Dan answered, You'd better not argue with us. Some of our men become angry easily. If you shout at us, they will attack you. You and your families will be killed. Then the men of Dan turned around and went on their way. Micah knew that these men were too strong for him, so he went back home. So the men of Dan took the idols that Micah made. They also took the priest who had been with Micah. Then they came to Laish. They attacked the people living in Laish. Those people were at peace. They were not expecting an attack. The men of Dan killed them with their swords and then burned the city. The people living in Laish did not have anyone to rescue them. They lived too far from the city of Sidon for the people there to help. And the people of Laish did not have any agreements with the people of Aram, so they did not help them. The city of Laish was in a valley, which belonged to the town of Beth Rehob. The people from Dan built a new city in that place, and it became their home. The people of Dan gave the city a new name. That city had been called Laish, but they changed the name to Dan. They named the city after their ancestor Dan, one of the sons of Israel. The people of the tribe of Dan set up the idol in the city of Dan. They made Jonathan, son of Gershom, their priest. Gershom was the son of Moses. Jonathan and his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan until the time when the Israelites were taken into captivity. The people of Dan set up for themselves the idol that Micah had made. That idol was there the whole time that the house of God was in Shiloh. Judges chapter 19 In those days when Israel didn't have a king, there was a Levite who lived in a remote area in the mountains of Ephraim. He took a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine, but she was unfaithful to him. She left him and went to her father's home, to Bethlehem in Judah. When she had been there four months, her husband went to persuade her to come back home. He took along his servant and two donkeys. She took her husband into her father's house. Her father was thrilled to see him. He made the Levite stay there with him, celebrating for three days. On the fourth day they got up early in the morning to leave, but the woman's father told his son-in-law, Eat something to keep up your strength, and then you can go. So they both sat down and ate and drank together. The woman's father said to his son-in-law, Why don't you spend the night and enjoy yourself? When the Levite started to leave, his father-in-law urged him to stay another night, so he did. On the morning of the fifth day, the Levite got up early to leave. The woman's father said, Eat something to keep up your strength. So they spent the time eating until late afternoon. The Levite started to leave with his concubine and his servant, but his father-in-law said to him, It's already evening. Please stay another night. It's too late to leave now. Stay here and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can start out early to go home. But the Levite refused to spend another night. He left and traveled as far as Jebus, now called Jerusalem. He had with him two saddle donkeys and his concubine. By the time they were near Jebus, it was very late in the day. The Levite's servant said to him, Let's go spend the night in Jebus. The Levite told him, We'll never go into a city of foreigners. They're not Israelites. We'll go on to Gibeah. He told his servant, let's go someplace else, we'll spend the night either at Gibeah or Ramah. So they went on. It was sunset by the time they arrived at Gibeah. Gibeah belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. They went to spend the night there. The Levite entered Gibeah and sat down in the city square, because no one offered to take them home for the night. That evening an old man came into the city from his work in the fields. He was from the mountain region of Ephraim, but lived in Gibeah. The other people who lived there were from the tribe of Benjamin. He saw the traveler in the city square, so the old man asked, Where do you come from, and where are you going? The Levite replied, We're on our way from Bethlehem in Judah to a remote area in the mountains of Ephraim. That's where I'm from. I had gone to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I'm going to the Lord's house, but no one has offered to take me into his home. We have straw and fodder for our donkeys. I even have bread and wine for myself, the woman, and my servant. We have everything we need. Then the old man said, Welcome. Let me take care of your needs. Just don't spend the night in the city square. So he took the Levite to his house and fed the donkeys. After they washed, they ate and drank. While they were enjoying themselves, some worthless men from the city surrounded the house and pounded on the door. They told the old man, the owner of the house, Bring out the man who came to your house so that we can have sex with him. The owner went out to them. He told them, No, my friends, please don't do anything so evil. This man is a guest in my home. Don't do such a godless thing. Here, let me bring out my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. Rape them and do with them whatever you want. Just don't do such a godless thing to this man. But the men refused to listen to him. So the Levite grabbed his concubine and forced her outside. They had sex with her and abused her all night until morning. They let her go when the sun was coming up. At daybreak, the woman came to the door of the house where her husband was and collapsed. She was still there when it became light. Her husband got up in the morning, opened the doors of the house, and was about to leave. His wife, that is, his concubine, was laying at the door of the house with her hands on the doorstep. The Levite said to her, Get up, let's go. But she did not answer. So he put her on the donkey and left for home. When he arrived home, he got a knife. He took his concubine and cut her limb from limb into twelve pieces. Then he sent the pieces throughout the territories of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, Never has such a thing happened or been seen from the time the people of Israel came out of Egypt until today. Think about it, form a plan, and speak out. Judges chapter 20 All the people of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and from Gilead came to Mizpah. The congregation stood united in the presence of the Lord. The leaders of all Israel's tribes took their places in the congregation of God's people. There were 400,000 foot soldiers with swords. The people of Benjamin heard that Israel had come to Mizpah. The people of Israel said, Tell us how such an evil thing could happen. The Levite, the husband of the murdered woman, answered, My concubine and I went to Gibeah in Benjamin to spend the night. The citizens of Gibeah came to attack me. They surrounded the house where I was staying that night. They intended to kill me, but instead they raped my concubine until she died. So I took my concubine and cut her into pieces. Then I sent the pieces throughout the territory of Israel. I did this because the citizens of Gibeah did this perverted and godless thing in Israel. All you people of Israel, tell me what you think. Give me your advice right now. All the people stood united, saying. None of us will go to his tent or return to his house. This is what we'll do to Gibeah. We'll decide by lot who should attack it. We'll take one-tenth of all the men from the tribes of Israel to get supplies for the troops. When the troops go to Gibeah in the territory of Benjamin, they can punish the citizens of Gibeah for the godless thing they did in Israel. So all the men of Israel assembled. They stood united against the city. The tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin. They asked, How could such an evil thing happen among you? Now hand over those worthless men in Gibeah. We must put them to death to rid ourselves of this kind of evil in Israel. But the men of Benjamin refused to listen to the men of Israel. So the men of Benjamin went from their towns and assembled at Gibeah to go to war with the men of Israel. That day 26,000 men armed with swords came from Benjamin's cities and organized for battle along with 700 of Gibeah's best men. Out of all those troops, the best seven hundred were left-handed. Each could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. The men of Israel, Benjamin not included, totaled four hundred thousand soldiers armed with swords. The men of Israel went to Bethel. They asked God, Who will go first to fight against Benjamin? The Lord answered, Judah will go first. The Israelites got up early in the morning and camped at Gibeah. So the men of Israel went to war with the men of Benjamin. The Israelites formed their battle line facing Gibeah. That day the men of Benjamin came out from Gibeah. They slaughtered 22,000 of Israel's men. But Israel's troops got reinforcements. They formed their battle line where they had formed it on the first day. The Israelites went and cried in the presence of the Lord until evening. They asked the Lord, Should we continue to wage war against our close relatives, the men of Benjamin? The Lord answered, Go fight them. On the second day, the Israelite troops advanced against Benjamin. Benjamin went out from Gibeah to meet them. This time they slaughtered 18,000 men from Israel who were armed with swords. Then all the men of Israel and all the troops went to Bethel. They sat there and cried in the presence of the Lord and fasted that day until evening. Then they sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. In those days, the ark of God's promise was at Bethel. Phinehas, son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, served in front of it. So the people of Israel asked the Lord, Should we continue to wage war against our close relatives, the men of Benjamin, or should we stop? The Lord answered, Go, tomorrow I will hand them over to you. Then Israel placed troops in ambush around Gibeah. On the third day the men of Israel went to fight the men of Benjamin. They formed their battle line facing Gibeah as they did before. The men of Benjamin went out to attack Israel's troops and were led away from the city. They started to inflict casualties as before. They killed about thirty men from Israel in the open country and on the roads to Bethel and Gibeah. The men of Benjamin shouted, They are defeated as before. But the men of Israel had said, Let's flee in order to lead them from the city to the roads. So the men of Israel left their positions. They formed their battle line at Baal Tamar. Meanwhile, those waiting in ambush rushed from their position to the west of Gibeah. Then 10,000 of Israel's best men attacked Gibeah. The battle was fierce, but Benjamin's men didn't realize their own evil was about to overtake them. So the Lord defeated them in front of Israel. On that day, the Israelites slaughtered 25,100 men from Benjamin who were armed with swords. Then the men of Benjamin realized they were defeated. The Israelites had allowed the men of Benjamin to take back some ground. The Israelites relied on those waiting in ambush near Gibeah. The men in ambush quickly charged toward Gibeah. They spread out in the city and killed everyone. The men of Israel had arranged with those waiting in ambush that they would make a big column of smoke rise from the city as a signal. Then the men of Israel would turn around in the battle. The men of Benjamin had already killed about thirty men of Israel. They even said, Israel is completely defeated, just like in the first battle. But when the column of smoke started to rise from the city, the men of Benjamin turned around and saw the whole city going up in smoke. Then the men of Israel turned around, and the men of Benjamin panicked. They realized that their evil had overtaken them. They turned in front of Israel toward the road to the desert. But the battle caught up with the men of Benjamin. Israel slaughtered whoever came out of the cities on the road to the desert. They closed in on the men of Benjamin and pursued them without stopping. They overtook them east of Gibeah. There were 18,000 experienced men from Benjamin who died in battle. The others turned and fled into the desert to Rimmon Rock. But the men of Israel killed 5,000 more on the roads. They caught up with another 2,000 and killed them near Gittim. In all, 25,000 men from Benjamin who were armed with swords were killed that day. They were all experienced men but 600 men turned and fled into the desert to Rimmon Rock they stayed at Rimmon Rock for four months then the men of Israel went back to attack the rest of the territory of Benjamin they killed all the people and cattle they found in every city they also burned down every city they came to judges chapter 21 the men of Israel had taken an oath and made a promise at Mizpah they had said not one of us will give his daughter to be married to a man from Benjamin the people went to Bethel. They sat there until evening in the sight of God. They sobbed loudly and bitterly. Lord, you are the God of Israel, they cried. Why has this happened to Israel? Why is one tribe missing from Israel today? Early the next day, the people built an altar. They brought burnt offerings and friendship offerings. Then the people of Israel asked, Has anyone failed to come here in the sight of the Lord? Is anyone missing from all of the tribes of Israel? The people had made a promise with an oath. They had said that anyone who failed to come to Mizpah in the sight of the Lord should certainly be put to death. The people of Israel were very sad because of what had happened to the tribe of Benjamin. After all, they were fellow Israelites. Today, one tribe has been cut off from Israel, they said. How can we provide wives for the men who are left? We've made a promise with an oath in the sight of the Lord. We've promised not to give any of our daughters to be married to them. Then they asked, Has any tribe of Israel failed to come here to Mizpah in the sight of the Lord? They discovered that no one from Jabesh-Gilead had come. No one from there had gathered together with the others in the camp. They counted the people. They found that none of the people of Jabesh-Gilead had come to Mizpah. So the community sent 12,000 fighting men to Jabesh-Gilead. They directed them to take their swords and kill those who were living there. That included the women and children. Here is what you must do, they said. Kill every male. Also kill every woman who is not a virgin. They found four hundred young women in Jabesh-Gilead who had never made love to a man. So they took them to the camp at Shiloh in Canaan. Then the whole community sent an offer of peace to the men of Benjamin. The men were at the Rock of Rimen. So the men of Benjamin returned at that time. They were given the women of Jabesh-Gilead who had been spared. But there weren't enough women for all of them. The people were very sad because of what had happened to the tribe of Benjamin. The Lord had left a gap in the tribes of Israel. They weren't complete without Benjamin. The elders of the community spoke up. They said, All of the women of Benjamin have been wiped out, so how will we find wives for the men who are left? The men of Benjamin who are still alive need to have children, they said. If they don't, a tribe of Israel will be wiped out. But we can't give them our daughters to be their wives. We Israelites have taken an oath and made a promise. We've said, May anyone who gives a wife to a man from Benjamin be under the Lord's curse. Look, a feast is celebrated every year in Shiloh in honor of the Lord. Shiloh is north of Bethel. It's east of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. It's south of Labona. So they told the men of Benjamin what to do. They said, Go hide in the vineyards and watch. The young women of Shiloh will come out. They'll join in the dancing. When they do, run out of the vineyards. Each of you grab hold of a young woman from Shiloh to be your wife, then go to the land of Benjamin. Their fathers or brothers might not be happy with what we're doing. If they aren't, we'll say to them, Do us a favor, help the men of Benjamin. We didn't get wise for them during the battle. You aren't guilty of doing anything wrong. After all, you didn't give your daughters to them. They were stolen from you. So that's what the men of Benjamin did. While the young women were dancing, each man caught one. He carried her away to be his wife. Then the men returned to their own share of land. They built the towns again. They settled down in them. At that time, the men of Israel also left. They went home to their tribes and family groups. Each one went to his own share of land. In those days, Israel didn't have a king. The people did anything they thought was right. Proverbs 14.12 tells us, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In Judges 17, we read about the fellow named Micah that stole a very large amount of silver from his mother, of all people, and then, I guess, he felt bad about it and he returned it to her. Well, she was so happy about that that she decided to set apart the silver to the Lord. But then she ended up giving a small portion of it to the silversmith to make an idol. And Micah set up a small temple in his house and made one of his sons to serve as priest. Now, obviously, None of this was right in God's eyes. All of this happened in the first five verses of the chapter, and in verse 6 we read, In those days Israel didn't have a king. The people did anything they thought was right. Hmm. And as we just read, the book of Judges ended with those same words. In those days Israel didn't have a king. The people did anything they thought was right. Pretty much everything we read from verse 1 of chapter 17 to the end of chapter 21 illustrates what happens when people do whatever they think is right, and for the most part, they made a mess of things. Why is that? Well, because left to their own devices, it's more common for people to follow their flesh than to follow God's law. As a general rule, people are not basically good. We have to learn to be good. You want proof? Well, how about this? Does a child have to learn to lie? Does a child learn to disobey? Does a child learn to be selfish? I have yet to meet a two-year-old that had to be taught any of these things. Don't get me wrong, I love kids, but I have never known one that was an angel. Some are sweeter than others, to be sure, but they all have to be taught to be good people. And that's the job of the parents. And don't even get me started on that subject. We're generally no better today than in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, or the days of Noah, or the days of the Judges. That's why we need Jesus. Paul tells us in Romans 3.10, There is none righteous, no, not one. I am so glad that the Holy Spirit is at work through His people restraining the influence of evil that will eventually be dominant during the Great Tribulation. Christians have a huge responsibility, beloved. We must be obedient to the Holy Spirit when He prompts us into action, whether it be to speak to our neighbor about having a relationship with Jesus, to being active in a ministry at church, to working with the victims of crimes. The possibilities are endless, and only you know what God is calling you to do. But when the Holy Spirit calls you, you must answer. And if you don't know what you've been called to, I challenge you to ask Him today what He would have you do. And, beloved, it has been my experience that even before he asks, it's a great idea to make up your mind that your answer will be, Yes, Lord. One person can make a difference. Be that person. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? Questions? Comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or comment on the show notes page for this episode. I'd love to share some of your comments on the show. Our reading tomorrow will be Psalms 27 through 29. Boost. Hey, this is an important day today. Did you know? <laughs> today is Plan Your Epitaph Day. I have to be honest, I've never thought about what I would have on my headstone, but it seems that some people have thought a lot about it. Here's some examples. Mel Blanc, the man of a thousand voices. Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, Tweety Bird, you know the guy. On his headstone is, that's all, folks. (laughs) Merv Griffin, you know him? He was a TV producer, creator of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, talk show host. Uh, He he, he hosted the Merv Griffin Show for a total of about 20 years. He was truly a media mogul. Here's what his headstone says. I will not be right back after this message. (laughs) And then here's some from just normal people. I came here without being consulted, and I leave without my consent. This one says, She always said her feet were killing her, but no one believed her. And then my favorite is, I was hoping for a pyramid. (laughs) What would you want your epitaph to say? Let me know. Steve at LifespringMedia.com If you send me some good ones, I'll share them on the show. On this date in church history, November 2nd, 1773. Stephen Grier was born. I think that's the way you say it. He was a French Quaker clergyman, missionary, and philanthropist. Traveling through Europe and North America, he reported on conditions in prisons and poorhouses and introduced reformer Elizabeth Fry to her life's work among prisoners. And on this date in church history, November 2nd, 1917. British Foreign Secretary Arthur J. Balfour issued the Balfour Declaration, calling for establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. This document planted a seed that led to the foundation of the modern state of Israel in 1948. Have you donated to the show? Your support in the form of time, talent, or treasure is very much needed for me to be able to bring this show to you seven days a week. You decide what the value is, then convert that value to a number and send it to me to keep the show alive. You can give by texting 182-921 over to 1-855-575-7888. Or you can stream Sats with one of the cool new podcast apps you can find at newpodcastapps.com. Or you can visit support.lifespringmedia.com for more information. Thank you. God bless you. How'd you find the show? Let me know. Email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com and use the subject line, Here's where I found you. As always, comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com. Email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or on the show notes page for this episode. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thanks for being here. What's your epitaph going to say? My name is Steve Webb. Bye.